Hi again and welcome to Technical Talks with your host here, Gerard Kelly. In today's podcast, I am thrilled to have such an enlightening person who has worked in some of the best, well-known and well-respected organizations the world has to offer. The entertainment business is tough, but not tough enough for Ian. I'm a little starstruck at the moment, but I would like to welcome to the show, Ian Shepherd. Thank you for coming and chatting with us today, Ian. I guess we'll start where everybody starts. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I have been lucky to spend most of my career working in the media and entertainment industry. I I graduated and went into strategy consulting. And then after that, I spent most of my time working at big American media companies. So Time Warner, Universal Music, and most recently Disney. I was also involved in the launch of BT Sport. And I worked for King, who owned Candy Crush. So a real kind of spectrum of the media industry. (laughs) Massively. I mean, I think you've dropped in. A few names. <laughs> uh, most people would like to work for one company. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the media industry is so exciting the way it's kind of constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many different channels, whether it's TV, film, music, mobile, gaming. So I'm quite fortunate to have had the ability to work across most of those and sort of see where the trends are and the emerging um, opportunities. Yeah, kind of picking them up. And so, so you had different roles within there or was it just... An executive role, as it Sure. So all of the roles were very much, um, I guess, consultative in nature, project related, and um, predominantly around strategy and business development. So strategy in terms of kind of looking at the uh, one to five year uh, development of the business, mm-hmm. um, and then business development being very much around looking at more immediate opportunities, but handholding those business from concept through to execution. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then often working with partners along the way. So whether that's distribution platforms or with um, advertising platforms or brand. Mm. Did you ever dream of doing this kind of work when you were growing up? Or yeah, That's a really interesting question. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a small town in Kent and um, I did an engineering degree. Yeah. And uh, the reason I did that was because I loved cars. Like, so there was that natural kind of physics, math, let's do engineering. Yeah. And as part of my degree, I did a year in industry working for uh, Vauxhall Motors. Yeah. And... That year was fascinating because I learned a lot. I learned what I didn't want to do. And in fact, at that time, it was the first dot-com boom. Mm. And it was that that made me realize that it was really commerce and e-commerce and digital that was exciting to me. And so I went back to university and then sort of changed my career a little in terms of the electives and then spent the rest of my career, as it were, working in commerce and particularly in media. Mm. So I would say for anyone, a year in industry is a really important thing to do because you can kind of think about what you want to do, but then you've still got a bit of time to go back to university. Yes, yes. A lot of people find out later on in their life. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's not too late, but then it's just harder to make that decision to change your career. Mm. So so you, you saw the opportunity in terms of internet, e-commerce coming up. You saw, you saw that it was something that excited you. So you would say you got um, an obstacle and then you decided... To, to change course? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm very much someone who, it was sort of evident even from being at school that the subjects I enjoyed, I did well at. The subjects that I didn't particularly enjoy or be interested in, I struggled with or mm. just didn't have the same kind of aptitude. Mm. And so what I could see with the, the job was that actually the things that excited me, I was really good at and got me out of bed in the morning. The things that I wasn't particularly interested in, I wasn't, you know, it just didn't engage with me. Mm. And so my my thoughts around the career and the, the path I've taken have always been working for, I guess, what I consider to be exciting companies. And the media industry is really interesting just the way it's evolved. I mean, when I joined Time Warner in 2005, YouTube was very much in its infancy. Yeah. And, and it was all about big TV channels. And, and that was how we 
we consume most of our video content. Then YouTube emerged, Google quite quickly bought it, and as a business we had to think about how we quickly evolved and adapted and shared our content on that platform, which was something that, as a big media company, we really struggled with. But And then, sort of subsequently, over the last 10 years or so, there's been so many other technology, new technology that's come in. I mean, if we think smartphones um, in the last five to eight years have transformed so much the way we consume media. So. When I worked at King, King um, make the game that we, we all know as Candy Crush. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that's huge, right? I mean, that company, yes. in, in terms of its scale, is like five billion in terms of revenue. Yes. And what we, what we saw there was this company that 10 years ago didn't exist. But it turned out that when they were sold to Activision two years ago at that time, they had 500 million users every month playing mm -hmm. Candy Crush. And to put that into context, there were... 2 billion mobile phone users and 1 billion wow. smartphone users. So one in two smartphones around the world were playing Candy Crush once a month, which is just insane. Yes. Um, and, and also just the demographics of the type of person, you know, video gaming may skew slightly more male than female, whereas Candy Crush is very much what they call a casual game. Mm. And, and it was predominantly women that were playing it. Yes, yes. I think um, I saw too many of them uh, <laughs> <laughs> playing on the underground, which is which is really great. I, I heard once that Candy Crush was actually a north it, it was a north side project, so they weren't. It wasn't actually their main focus. It was something that one of the technicians created, uh, and they just threw it out there to see how it did. Yeah, and then it boomed. Yeah, and I think, again, that's one of the things that really excites me about the media and digital industry is that a traditional media industry like TV, their form of measurement of understanding people's consumption was around, in the UK, something called BARP. And effectively, that's where they had a, a measuring device in a 1,000 homes. Mm. And they looked at what channels were watching in 1,000 homes and they extrapolated that across the, uh, the nation and said, OK, well, if... 50 homes are watching ITV at this time, then X many homes must be watching it around the country, mm. which is kind of quite a rudimentary way of measuring it. Whereas when I worked at Candy Crush and I was looking at the different data that was available to me, I could see of the 500 million people playing Candy Crush around the world, on my desktop computer, I was able to crunch data to understand uh, what percentage of those were using an Apple phone versus an Android phone. Mm. Um, and so it's fascinating to see kind of how quickly the media industry has evolved with this level of data. Yes. And again, to create a format for a film or a TV show would take years, whereas you can have people generating games literally in their bedroom that become overnight hits, yeah. or like Flappy Bird, for example, which was a free game available um, on, on the mobile phone device. Yeah, so all this experience has led you to what you're doing now. Yeah, I think it has. I mean, so... Specifically talking about influencers, which I find to be a really interesting area, not least just because the, um, the, the growth opportunities there are around it. Talent um, and talent management and commercial opportunities with talent have always really interested me. Mm. And looking back to my days at Universal Music about eight or nine years ago, there were some really great talent managers at the time. So Scooter Braun, who managed, still manages Justin Bieber, Troy Carter, who managed Lady Gaga, and a number of others. At the time, they were real pioneers in terms of working with their talent to create really great products, services, and consumer propositions. Mm. Um, and that was something that the record companies really struggled with 
they were very much around recorded music, the event promoters were very much around putting on events, but there were so many other opportunities because at the time, and as they still are, musicians are very much influencers. Yeah. And so I, I found it interesting, but in my roles at that time, I worked for the record label, and so it, I wasn't able to create some of those kind of what I consider to be more interesting commercial opportunities. But what we're seeing now, and in fact, one of the first things that really jumped out at me about influencers and I guess talent on social media was really my kids. Mm. My, I have a seven-year-old daughter and she, when she was about two or three, became obsessed with watching videos on YouTube of kids unboxing toys. Right. And at the time yes. I found it to be incredibly frustrating because I didn't consider it to be quality content and I couldn't understand when she had the access to Disney and Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and CBeebies programming, mm. why of all of those she would choose to watch um, very poorly formatted, created, produced, <laughs> and typically American videos of kids watching just opening toys or even worse, sweets. Yes. Um, but what I could see was that there was this massive industry growing up um, of people creating this content. And, and so, so that I had that in one mind. And then my role at Disney, my, my role was head of new business development, which was quite a broad role across the company. Mm. And Disney acquired a company called Maker Studios in 2015. And Maker Studios was the largest MCN or multi-channel network, which was the aggregator of social media talent. And Disney acquired that business and were really looking at opportunities for integrating the, the team and the talent into what they did. Mm. And I saw that as being a great opportunity really to learn more about how the talent operate and the dynamics of the industry. And I had this kind of unique position where on one hand, I could see some of the challenges and the opportunities that we at Disney wanted to, um, or how look, looking at how we could use influencers to market um, and sell our products. Yeah. Then equally, I also had this amazing opportunity to sit and work with talent mm -hmm. and to work on talent deals and look at the drivers that talent have. Um, so it was, I guess it's quite a unique position because you're either on the side of the talent or you're on the side of the brand predominantly the brand mm. um, and it's a bit of a black box in terms of really understanding what, what, what talent wants other than the obvious kind of financial incentives. That's very interesting because nowadays we see like you said YouTubers you know getting thousands and millions of hits mm. um, and then Instagram's becoming or has become yep. the go-to app yep. uh, for any pictures any photographs short videos that people want to promote their product yep. um, so I guess that's probably what you saw at the tail end of yeah. Disney. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what's interesting is that ten influencers have been around for many, many, many years, but very much they've been celebrities or sportsmen or leaders. Yeah. And that's because it's been controlled by the media, which is they sort of their distribution has been controlled by the media. Yeah. Whereas now with technology and with social media, then anyone with an internet connection and an opinion can share that opinion. And anyone with a smartphone can share that photo around the world mm. to share their kind of their point of view, and uh, and that's exactly what we're seeing with influencers. They're they're, they're people that have particularly passionate, uh, maybe they've got an expertise or perceive real authority in an area. Mm. Whether it's sort of my kids or millennials or you know older generations now are seeing them as someone that they trust and someone that they resonate with and someone that they enjoy watching the content. Definitely. And in fact, it's not necessarily highly produced content, but actually it's quite real content. Um, and, mm. and that's almost like a behind the scenes view. And it's something that's a lot more relatable. So rather than just kind of a big 
CGI produced film mm. or a big TV series, actually they can relate more with someone they think is like them. Yes, yes. I, I see that quite a lot, actually, um, with colleagues in, and friends outside that, believe me, they, they've told me, you know, I, um, I asked them, what, what have you done over the weekend? And they say, well, I've watched videos on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of baffled. And I say, what do you mean? Um, no, I, you know, there's this girl that I really like and she does the makeup and how, how different makeup she puts on and, yep. and you know, and I went in just to have a look and she, I think it was like 10 million views or something. So yeah. whatever this girl had or was doing was really empowering um, for somebody sure. else. I think they could relate as to everyday stuff. Absolutely. And, and that's something that would be key moving forward, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting from a commercial perspective is that over the last 10 years, businesses, from an advertising perspective, have really struggled with um, the, the death of the 30-second advertising spot on TV because mm. whether people have PVRs and they fast-forward through them or they're watching on demand, there isn't that engagement that there once was. Yeah. Um, but with influencers, what you see is, in fact, if I'm engaged with a particular influencer, I can watch... 20 minutes of that person selling me a product mm. and and sometimes that's done as a paid promotion and I'm quite aware sometimes it's more done because they've just got a particular love for that product but if you're a brand um, or a service provider then that's something that is actually you know it's really appealing because people like to buy from people like them rather than necessarily kind of a big billboard advert. Mm. So, so you, you, you're saying you've seen a change in the way brands and advertising agencies advertise products and services so they go to youtubers or yeah i mean i think that approach is still very new and it's something that brands and agencies are really trying to get their hands around because there's the most basic form of promotion where let's say we have a product mm. you give it to an influencer you pay them to kind of promote it in some way and in theory that's the job done i think that what will happen quite quick where well, it's already happening but what will kind of become more obvious is that when things aren't authentic, so if, if, if an influencer is promoting a product clearly just because they've been paid and it's not in keeping with their what they would typically produce as content, mm. then, then it's, it's going to have a negative effect in the backlash. Yes. Um, the challenge is trying to how you engage influencers earlier on in the process, whether that's developing a, pro a product or project. And really, I think what we'll see more brands do establish a longer term relationship with a particular set of influencers yes. so rather than just here's a, a one-off campaign here's the product do some photos share it with the audience job done mm. actually it will be a more lengthy agreement so let's say a year and over the course of the year then the influencers involved in various different elements whether that's sort of using some of the products or attending an event mm. um, and therefore it just feels more authentic for everyone um, whether it's the brand or the yeah, yeah. So the influencer has more of a bargaining power than they used to before. But I think in terms of the the brands are now wanting them, whereas before it might have been the other way around. Yeah, I mean that's a really interesting question because one of the kind of the million dollar questions in the industry is how much do you pay an influencer for a campaign? Mm. And there, there, of course, there's metrics. I mean, you can look at the reach of an audience, which is is I think really actually something that people will move away from because it's, it's, it's all right to have a huge reach but if you don't have a true engagement with the audience then that's almost worthless yes. and so, so engagement is really important 
but um, different brands have different perceptions on how much their brand is worth and who, who's benefiting more from the promotion. So to give you an example, very much a kind of a consumer good, their business would see an influencer um, and see that the, you know, the influencer, they're, they're benefiting from the influencer promoting their product, but looking at certain media companies, um, not naming names and, and not Disney, but I know that they won't pay an influencer to even to, for the influencer to promote their product because mm. they see their business as providing the influencer with free content, free, um, which boosts their authority. Mm. So to give you an idea, if I if I'm like a, a teenage vlogger and uh, this this content business invites me to a premiere or to see a show before anyone else, yeah. then actually me going to that premiere allows me to create content which promotes my audience, sure. which positions me as the expert. And so there's so for for talent and there's really there's also this kind of question of what should I be demanding payment for mm. um, for accessing my audience and what is a benefit to me to add to my credibility and to help me create content. Because mm. one of the things that I think largely is a really good thing to see is that content creators and influencers know their audience and they know that at the end of the day, content is king. And if they're not creating good content that is authentic and their um, their audience is engaging with, mm. then quite quickly they'll lose viewers or um, engagement. So, how would you think a a young startup uh, here in London might be able to use someone like an influencer? Sure. So I think what's interesting is there have been a number of startup companies uh, that have used influencers to, to a huge success. So not quite from a tech space, but more of a fashion sense. To give you an idea, there's a company called Daniel Wellington, and they make uh, wristwatches. Mm. And their business is solely driven around the use of social media and influencers to promote and sell their products. Mm. And that business started, I want to say, about three years ago in Sweden, I think. And they've got a relatively distinctive but plain watch, which sells for around $150. Um, And their strategy was very much to use Instagram and influencers on Instagram to promote the product and and the influencers uh, receive commission or payment for promoting the product and mm. and, and they um, they've been enormously successful in terms of the volume of product that they've sold the scale that they've achieved all through their kind of direct to consumer model yeah and so in a similar way I'm certain that new businesses startups and tech businesses and really engage influencers and should engage influencers to launch their products. What's important is that they work with the right influencers and it's a win-win for everyone. So in the same way I talked around this content company providing influencers with good content for their for their own channel, yeah. I would advise startups to really think about what it is that they want to achieve and who would be the right people to promote the message but equally what's what's the content that they want to uh they they think would be of value to the influencer and to position it in that way because as an influencer they they if they have first access to something that's exciting um but um it needs to be compelling the first access to something that's irrelevant to their audience or, or not compelling then that's not exciting but first access to the latest bit of tech that's exciting Mm, yeah, yes, it's, it's particularly important nowadays, now that everybody wants to set up their own tech company and get, <laughs> get their product out there, but they don't know how to do it. So I, I, yeah. I think this is one avenue where a lot of people might not know 
is available for them. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the the hardest thing is that this this company uh, this industry has grown so quickly. Mm. And in fact, there's no shortage of influencers out there, however they're defined. Um, and the industry itself has its own challenges in terms of potentially so so called influencers with fake news, which uh, yeah. it, it's not you know they're not all what they say they are. And so it's kind of like well, how do you work out who are the most effective influencers to reach, and yeah. where do I start? Yeah. Um, bit of fake news exactly, <laughs> exactly like that and so it's 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 daunting but you know what I would say is just look to work with the influencers that where it which are most relevant to what you're doing rather than the biggest name and and certainly there's micro influences is the term that gets banded around a lot and what what we see with micro influencers who are typically um, someone who has an audience from say 500 to 5,000, 10,000, their engagement is significantly higher than someone who has, let's say, a million or five million followers. Yes. And so, actually, to have a spread of micro influencers, you'll have a much deeper message than just someone with a huge reach. Yeah. It goes back to the old advice that uh, VCs and all entrepreneurs used to give that it's better to have. Thousand users or a thousand, you know, customers that will yes. come back every time because they're your champions. They will always come back. Yes. And not only that, but then they will boast about your business to somebody else. So somebody else might come back and buy from you because of that, you know, uh, advice that somebody who they trust gave it to them. Yeah. No, you're right. And there's um, there's a great article called A Thousand Fans. I forget who it's written by, but Tim Ferriss quotes it a lot, and you can find read the paper online. Yeah. And um, but it's exactly that same concept that if you find your first one thousand fans, and this is often what influencers are able, successful influencers do, then mm. the rest will follow. Yes. So just moving on in terms of what you see the future, let's mm. say how how can London uh, engage with the rest of the world now that. Brexit's coming up and you know all this, nobody knows what's going to happen. Yeah, I think maybe companies that are a little bit scared that they will lose customers, sure. given that they they may have champion customers. Yes, with, and using influencers, how would you see the industry going? Um, Put you on the spot there. So, in terms of the direction of the industry, I mean, I'm not sure how I could sort of say Brexit specifically would influence it, but. In terms of the industry, I think a really nice analogy is looking at the way social media has evolved. So 10 years ago, it was kind of the early adopters that would be using a platform like Facebook and very much it would be, you know, it started obviously with students at Harvard and then grew. 10 years ago, I just joined Facebook. I was using a lot. There was next to no promotion on there. Mm. Nowadays, my mum uses Facebook more than I do. And that's because it's become much more mainstream and the typical brands that my mum would engage with are advertising on Facebook because that's the way it's evolved. And I really believe that in the same way at the moment, whether it's sort of kids or millennials watching beauty or fitness or cooking, mm. um, social content and with influencers very much in 10 years, we'll see that the likes of you know, the, the mass market will really be engaging with influencers. And so maybe, you know, my mum, rather than seeing an advert on TV 
or reading something in the paper will engage with an influencer to advise on what's the next, the, the best vacuum cleaner to buy or something, because actually they establish a trust and a relationship with a, a particular person. Yeah. And um, I really see the industry moving that way. There's just questions around how brands position their work with influencers. So obviously there's huge regulation in terms of how companies can advertise on TV in a 30 second spot, but very much online and with influencers, there's few regulations to really understand what is... Regulators are still catching up. With exactly. What's going on. Exactly. And that's not to say that uh, influencers are, are doing anything that they shouldn't, but I guess to the untrained eye, they may not realise, for example, that somebody's being paid to promote a post. Mm. Um, and they might give an advice to someone without realising the effects that, that might have. Exactly. So there's definitely some catching up to do there. And really, I think from a, a kind of a development perspective, brands will really understand how to work and engage with influencers. Mm. Um, and what I think is interesting is, at the moment, it's very much brands are working with influencers very much to share them kind of share a marketing message what i think is going to be interesting is how they can use influencers almost like a focus group because from my experience actually influencers engage all of the time with their fans and their followers and actually they've got the best and most relevant and most recent understanding of what their fans and what fans of brands want Yes. And so actually, if brands can actually look at, at taking some of this information to use it shape products or services, yes. then I think there would be a real um, opportunity there for them. Good trend. Exactly. Well, let's talk about you a little bit. So you're, you're recently starting up your own adventure. Absolutely. So I, I've, I've been excited about this influencer space for a couple of years now. And one of the things that I wanted to do was to build a network of people that work in it. Because, it, because it's so new, mm. there isn't much structure, every deal is different, and, and it's very emerging. And so what I did was created something called the Business of Influencers, which was a network of, of people that work in the industry, whether that's they work for the brand, whether they work for an agency, whether they work with or are talent, um, or whether they work for platforms, mm. is a way of kind of... I guess, sharing challenges, opportunities, and interacting. And I set up, I had the first event last week. And in that event, it was very much a mastermind concept. And a mastermind is where you typically get between two and 12 people together to discuss a common theme. So in the past, I've been part of a number of masterminds around entrepreneurship and starting up business. And typically, there'd be a number of founders of businesses that would share thoughts around uh, financing or hiring or deal structure yeah. and discussing that in a common group it, you can quite quickly learn from with people shared thoughts mm. and so what I did was set up the business of influencers which is where we could have common discussions around challenges and opportunities within the influencer industry and so at the first event we had two people that represented talent management we had two people from platforms we had uh, two people from brands and we had two agencies and we were able to have it was a fascinating discussion around some of the things that were happening in the industry, that are happening in, in the industry. Mm. And what was really apparent at the time was that even two talent managers had different perspectives on how they might approach a certain deal. Two, two brands had, again, a very different opinion and perspective about how they would approach something. Yeah. 
yes. um, because it's just such a new industry. Yeah. And off the back of the first event, everyone who attended was like, I want to attend more of these events. And so the plan will be to create a series of these events where people in the industry who work day in, day out can interact and learn from their peers. Mm. Um, and whilst to some extent they are competitors to each other, you know, they both manage talent or they both might be in, in an agency, they're learning from each other. And right. that kind of shared learning is only to the benefit of everyone. Yes. I mean, and they you, clash heads, don't they? And then they come <laughs> up. They clash heads, but they, they at the end, I think they come up with a better view of what their industry is. Exactly, like. and where the opportunities are, and mm. you know, ultimately, their goal is to do the best job for their client, whether that's talent or a brand, and they're able to achieve that by sharing knowledge with other people in the industry. Yes. So, so that's very much looking at, I guess, the experts in the industry, and then from from there, I want to take that one step further and really start to educate people around the industry, people who are less au fait with what's going on, want to understand, they want to get an overview of the industry or they want to know where best to position themselves. Mm. It's very much going to be a consultancy looking at that element as well. Yeah, you can pick up trends, I guess, as well from those those talks. Okay. Uh, you know, it's very niche, but you can necessarily pick up what somebody else has said and yeah, and I think what what's going to be interesting is having great case studies where we mm. can see examples of how a particular business or service provider has used influencers, just to, which will feed thoughts for other people in 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 a group. And so I'm sure there will be a series of talks and um, open to a broader audience. Well, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of challenges going ahead, <laughs> um, but that sounds very very exciting. I think I might have to join you in one of those Excellent. ones soon. Absolutely, you're more than welcome. <laughs> But I think we'll, we'll conclude here. Thank you very much for, for coming uh, and just having a chat about, about your experience in the field. You know, you certainly work for a lot of big, big brand names, Disney, Universal. They, they, they are very big and very exciting, but equally exciting, your, your new project now. So Yeah, I'm excited about that. I mean, I think that there's a lot that can be taken from those big companies. And it's exciting, particularly when you've always been in a business development role, to be that entrepreneur and really help new businesses grow. And, and now I am that new business helping others grow. So it's an exciting opportunity and I would encourage anyone to get in touch if they want to know more about um, how they could work with influencers. Definitely. Well, your details will be up. Ian, thank you very much for, for coming. This has been a great tech talk. Thank you for having me. Uh, and influencers as well. I'm sure you'll be one soon. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And that is it for another episode of Technical Talks with your host here, Jared Kelly. We're based in Old Street, so if you do have any questions or would like to pop into the office, please do so. Otherwise, you can contact me through techlawtalks at dklm.co.uk. I would love to hear your comments, any thoughts, or if you do have any questions for previous guests or future guests to come, please write in and I'll make sure I'll get your questions in. Other than that, that's it for us today and enjoy the rest of the week. Thank you.